Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. If you're anything like Sayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today we have one of our guests who had we had first interviewed back when we first started with our podcast, actually our episode 48. So he was one of really the first people that we had met upon our podcasting journey. So we're super excited to have Lee Yoder back onto the show with us. It's been a little over a year since we last talked, Lee. So I'm super excited to get updated on what you're, you've been doing, what you've learned since we last chatted and really just dive to where you are today. So welcome back to the show. Yeah, Eileen, it's a pleasure being back. I really enjoyed watching what you and Sayla have going on. And um, yeah, I had a great time talking with you guys the first time and really excited to talk to you again. So Lee, just to give everybody a little overview of your background, you started off as a physical therapist and then you've transitioned over into syndicating larger multifamilies. Can you give the listeners a little bit high level who you are as a person, what your background is a little bit and what your focus on is now? Yes, I can do that real quick. Trained as a physical therapist. I joke that but it's not a joke. It's real. I went to school for 20 years in a row, starting in kindergarten, uh, 20 <laughs> years in a row of, of school. And then finally I got done with that. I was a physical therapist and I kind of got to experience two kind of extremes where like when I was doing home health, physical therapy, driving around to old folks homes and, and doing physical therapy with them in their homes, that was like a super laid back job, low stress, honestly, not even 40 hours a week. It was like awesome for the family, but I was just bored out of my mind and not fulfilled, not challenged in my work. And then I experienced the other end where I was in the corporate world, where I was really enjoying my job, very fulfilled, very exciting, very challenging, but now like very little flexibility, not good at home, not enough bandwidth, even for my wife and kids. So kind of both extremes. And I got this idea. Somebody gave me a book, Red Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was like, well, maybe I can have the best of both worlds. Maybe I can be challenged and fulfilled with my work, but also have the flexibility to pursue my life, and have great relationships with my kids. We're also Christ followers, honoring God as first and pursuing our faith. So I want to be able to make that my main priority first. So I want to be able to do all that, but also like work really hard and enjoy that. And so I got into real estate. And for me, it has been that getting into real estate, really our whole journey, it's been fun and it's very fulfilling job, very challenging, rewarding, but I can control it as an entrepreneur and working for myself. I ended up leaving. That's been since I talked to you. It was uh, December, 2020 that I left my physical therapy job and I've been in full-time in real estate and I still work a fair number of hours, but it's when it works for the family. Not always. I mean, there's times that my wife would rather me be helping her and maybe the kids need something, but like I do have to do some work. So it's not, you know, this isn't Nirvana. We're not in heaven yet, but I can control it much better. So yeah, really enjoying it. So as an entrepreneur, what has been the biggest challenge that you've faced so far as you've been building up your own business without having that W-2 backup on your side? There's multiple challenges. Just 
I feel like I'm constantly asking myself if I'm, if I'm doing the right things because there's always things I can do to keep myself busy. But especially with uh, buying multifamily, I mean, we're closing on our third apartment building this year and I'm thrilled and like floored by the way God has provided for us through this. So it's awesome. But like, there's still months in between each one. So during those months, like if we just closed on one, but what if we don't close on another? Like there's just always this, this unknown. And so I'm working during those months and I'm doing things and we're taking steps, but ultimately you have to close on the next deal to get paid and to keep this machine going. So it's just challenging to stay busy, but just want to like, but am I doing the right things to get the next apartment building or should I be doing something different? So that's always a challenge. And then, yeah, as far as how we get paid, we do take an acquisition fee. So we've gotten three of those this year and, and that's plenty. That's great. It, it pays us a nice salary, but after we did one, we didn't know that we were going to do two more this year. So the acquisition fee just from the, the first 45 unit we did, that that's not enough for our salary. You know, you get these you know, big chunks. It's kind of like flipping, but you don't make anything the whole time you're flipping the house until you sell it. And then you get a big chunk and that's great. But like, are you going to get another one? It's similar. But then the nice thing is you get that payment from the acquisition fee, but you still own the property and it's ongoing as well. But yeah, there's the unknown on whether you're doing the right work and then the ups and downs of your salary. It's not steady. We don't get paid every Friday. Not even every two Fridays, not even every two months, it's like every every three or four months. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as you're going, as you're working a W-2 job, you have your set schedule. You know what tasks that you're going to be focused on mm-hmm. for that day. Um, you have a project that's in place that you know you're going to be working on, you need to close on. As an entrepreneur yourself, looking to get into that next deal, how do you determine what are the next steps that you need to take in order to move you to the next step? Yeah, you laid it out there really well, Eileen. I mean, that, that is what's so hard about it. I mean, there's plenty of times, you know, I don't really want a boss, but there's times I'm like, I, I do wish somebody made my schedule for today. Like just, tell me because then, yeah, I could I could check it off, right? I, I can do it. If you tell me something to do, I'll, I'll go do it. But yeah, for me, it's like making, because when you have a deal, like as soon as we get an offer accepted, then it's pretty easy, like, right? Like for the next two months mm-hmm. until closing, we're going to be pretty busy going through the steps. But um, I think, I guess just even saying that, Eileen, it really helps me kind of think that the way I think about it is like, what if we do get an offer accepted tomorrow? Are we ready? And a big part of that is having the funds raised. So that's a lot of what we do. I mean, finding the next deal, that's kind of easier because it's like, we need to be talking to brokers. We need to be looking at properties and I need to be underwriting. That that's pretty easy. Now I, I am constantly checking myself like, Hey, I haven't talked to any brokers this week. What am I doing? Hey, I haven't underwritten any properties. What am I doing? But that's kind of easy. That's like talk to brokers, you know, look at deals, underwrite deals. And you got to do that, you know, whatever, 50 times to find one. So you got to keep doing that every week. Um, but the other part of it is, Hey, once we do find a deal, cause we're doing this work, are we going to have the, the funds to take it down? Do we have enough investors ready to go? So that's a little bit more difficult uh, because there's some nuance there. There's, there's different ways to find investors. Um, but that comes down to social media for us, um, being out there, letting people know about what we're doing. We do a podcast just like you guys do. So uh, that's kind of nice because that, that's every week and you got to do it and you know stay up with that schedule. But like posting on social media, I, my, my wife's helping me a little bit with it now. And she's so much better about like, hey, I do the same thing every week. I'm not like that. Um, so it's been better with her. But that's the difficulty. Um, and I, I think you just have to, like I said, I, I think probably each week if you're going, okay, if we find a deal next week, where are we at with our investors? And if we aren't where we need to be, yeah, what are the steps? Because in general, if we think through that, we probably know what are the things that we need to do, but it's when we're not focused on it that we forget to do those things. So I think it's kind of working backwards and making sure you're doing those things. 
So since we last talked, you know, you were you you did one deal earlier this year and now you've closed on three. How has the management been, you know, from going from one to three different apartment properties that you are managing and you're, you know, looking on a day-to-day basis? Um, how does that typically look like for you? Yeah, you mean on like the asset management side, right? Yes, like yeah. you know, not just an yeah. not just an asset management side, but also you personally. Like, what are some of the things that you're doing as well to, um, you know, making sure that I guess that falls under asset management too. Um, sure. You know, like all the day to day things to make sure that you know the properties are running correctly. You know, the business plans are being implemented, um, and then just overall from a system standpoint, like what have you been put into place to, to be able to, you know, manage all three efficiently. Yeah, that, it's a great question. It's something my partner and I are are currently working through. Um, it was interesting because when I when I partnered up with my partner um, a little over a year ago, um, I had already done three kind of small to mid size uh, apartments, like a sixteen unit, a ten unit, and eight unit, and I did those by myself. I had a couple partners, but I I was doing all the work, um, and and I could do that. When I started syndicating, I knew I was going to need a partner, and I told him when I brought him on, I was like, "You're going to be the asset manager." Well, when we partnered, we didn't have any properties together, so. He didn't have an asset management job to do. And then even once we got a 45 unit, like that doesn't take that much time. It was actually a pretty stabilized property, you know, and then we got the 47 unit and there was a lot of capbacks and he kind of manages that too. Um, so that's been one kind of good thing about it. And now that we're going to add a third, like there's actually enough for him to do to stay busy as an asset manager. So he's not over here trying to do other things because he doesn't have enough to do. So kind of like we've reached that scale or we're reaching that scale where we can specialize. And that's kind of helpful. So, uh, but we, we've definitely been developing that. Um, I think, yeah, g- getting things, what's the saying? Like whatever you you don't track doesn't get doesn't get done or something like that. And so we're really trying to get organized and, and we're learning, we've learned this year as we've gone through, it's like, what are the metrics that we need to track that the, uh, people, some people call them KPIs? Um, like, what are the things that we need to track and track every week? And then address with our property manager and say, hey, here's here's the numbers we're getting. What's going on with this? We're not getting, you know, we're not hitting this, not hitting that. Um, so we're kind of getting that, you know, for him and I, we're, you know, we're not that sophisticated yet. We we like to use Google Drive and keep um, Google Docs spread, like spreadsheets on the Google Drive that we can both see, we can both um, adjust. But just kind of getting those bet out to say, okay, of each proper in each property, what's where's our vacancy at? And then now we're tracking the units. How long have these units been vacant? Because if they've been vacant for over a month, that's unacceptable. Why, why are we not, you know, hey, why are we not driving enough leads? And, and But we're now tracking that to see that, hey, we've got three that have been vacant now. Go on the property manager. Hey, what's going on with these three? You know, and, and keeping them. And usually if you do that, you're going to get better results. And then, hey, so that this doesn't happen again, which units um, are, are where the lease is going to end in the next two months? Let's get out in front of that. Let's make sure the property manager is thinking about that. Because, you know, odds are they're probably not thinking that about that as much as you are. So if you bring that to att- their attention, then they can go, oh, okay, yeah, let me reach out to that person, see if they're going to renew. Oh, they're not going to renew. Okay, let's get our crew ready and set up. But we have to track that to make sure they're ready to do that. So we're kind of getting some spreadsheets together like that. Um, and again, it's just, it's something like everybody could say, you know, hey, you should have done that before, probably, for sure. But it's probably not going to happen that way. You kind of have to get in and, and, and get that groove. And we're definitely starting to hit that and um, tracking some of those things. And then the unit turns the same way. We were out there today and, and we've done like, we're on our fourth unit turn in the 47 unit building. And we still, I thought we did because we put the other, we still don't have, we're still not on the same page with our property manager and then them with the, the actual contractor that they're using of like what exactly we want done in each unit. Because 
they kept the old paint and I didn't want them to keep the old paint. We had already talked about this is the new paint color, but it's kind of too late now. And it's okay. It's not a big deal, but it's like, let's, let's get a, let's get a unit turn menu. So when you go into a unit, you know exactly what we want done. And Hey, if the carpet's good in the bedrooms, cool. You can leave that. But like that, that's another thing with, you know, that's a big piece of it because you're always turning units. So does your property manager know? And then does the contractor know exactly what you want done? Because it's going to control your costs. It's going to give you the result you want. And then it's just going to get done quicker because you don't want people having to ask what needs done. And, hey, I was just at Lowe's, but I didn't know you wanted a new toilet. So not to go back to Lowe's to get a new toilet. They should know exactly what you want done um, so that there's not questions and no slowdown and everybody's on the same page. And, yeah, so we're, we're starting to get um, some of those things uh uh, if, if you ask me in a few months, hopefully I have an even better answer and we're, we're even better at it, but we are starting to, to get some, uh, some better spreadsheets where we're tracking things, some better KPIs so that we can hold people accountable better and stay on top of things. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. Yeah, it's an evolution, right? As you come mm-hmm. across other things, you're tweaking and constantly improving your processes um, based off of the need and the things that you're learning. Um, and so I love the menu option because that way everybody's on the same page. They know exactly as the unit is turning, you know, what are the things that they need to focus on and that, you know, there's it eliminates the going back and forth um, between sure. all different parties. Yes. So can you share with us, you know, like as you're talking to the property managers, um, how do you typically structure your meetings so that it's very efficient? You know, like, um, do you guys over go over like a summary in the beginning and then go down the list of each items, the different units? Um, how does that typically look for you guys on, a, uh, depending on how often you talk to your property manager? Yeah, right now we're doing it weekly and we're doing it in person. Um, and I don't think that's that's necessary. I mean, a lot of people can do, do it over Zoom. But basically how it's going right now, uh, Eileen, is that my my partner, more the asset manager, uh, because we're tracking these things, going to the meeting, he knows he knows the topic. So we lead the meeting. Um, and and maybe it shouldn't be that way. And maybe our property manager, they they should lead the meeting and they should know the things that we want to talk about. But for right now, we kind of have a list of things like, Here's the vacancies. They've been vacant for this long. We don't like that. So help us understand what's going on. And then let's let's get a game plan going forward to fix this. Um, here's the unit turns. This one's taking too long. What's going on? So we're kind of just hitting on, on these items. And then uh, so it, it's hitting on some specifics and making sure we have a game plan to address the issues. And then, you know, because like when we just met with them today, hey, there's a lot of vacancy um, in the three buildings we have on the west side of Dayton. And then it became a, kind of a bigger conversation. Then the property manager started leading this conversation. Look, here's what we're seeing amongst all of our properties over on the west side. Rent has come back a little bit. So it was in a discussion. Okay, well, then let's let's decrease the rent that we're asking. Okay, if that's, you know, because we're mad that our, our units are sitting vacant for too long. And you're telling us, well, what we're starting to see, not just yours, but everybody's, 
is that we are going to have to decrease rent. Okay. So that's, that's what we do going forward. So specific items that lead to maybe a bigger conversation. And then it's like, let's get on the same page. Let's, let's get together on, on what the solution should be and move forward with that. And so for you, you know, how are you guys, um, I guess, based off your conversations with the property management and your own personal experience, looking for deals and managing in this space, how is the current market right now in multifamily just based off of your personal, you know, experiences? Well, it's as hot as ever trying to find properties. I mean, the pricing is, is really high, really tight. I mean, we're in a market, you know, in Southwest Ohio that is considered like a stable market. Uh, that's that's why people like the Midwest. I think right now that's why there is a lot of interest in the Midwest because they go, well, you know, prices aren't nearly as crazy as the coast and some of these other hot cities, you know, like in Texas and Florida and um, Arizona and things like that. And that's true. We're, we're not like that. But it's still, I mean, people are still buying in the in the fives, like the five caps. And, and that people that have been investing in this area, you know, for decades are blown away by that. And, and me, you know, Eileen... Um, I got started around the same time you guys, you know, just a couple of years ago. And I can't believe how crazy pricing has gone just in two years. So on that front, it, it feels like we're just as crazy as everybody else. And it has not, I haven't seen it cool off at all. Um, it's very competitive, lots of bids. You have to do hard money. Um, you don't have to, but that's, that's, we've chosen to do that, to, to be competitive. Um, so very hard to find properties. Uh, for us, it's all about having relationships with brokers and what that means for us is that they bring us in and we are among the four or five people that they show the deal to. So it's off market, but it's still not direct to sell. It's not just us. We're still competing, but I'd rather be competing against four other people than, than 40. We bid on a property the other day and we were second out of 32 and that, because that was marketed and they did like this big call for offers and there were 32 offers. So I'd much rather be with four. So that's kind of where we're at as far as finding properties. Um, I would say rent, the one thing, and this is just in the past month or two, but this was a conversation I had with my property manager. So I'll pass it on to you and your listeners. He feels like in the class C uh, setting and in properties that he's noticing that, that, you know, really the government's money is, is kind of dried up to, to a large degree, right? Like the $300 extra and um, unemployment is gone. Um, people are now having to pay on their mortgages. I believe I, you still don't have to pay on student loans. Uh, who knows if they'll ever have to pay on student loans again, but um a lot of that extra relief has dried up. I mean, we're not doing, we haven't done a stimulus check in a long time. Um, and we got used to those last year, uh, but we haven't done one of those for a long time. Um, so anyway, I think that's affecting class C more. Um, and, and then I don't know why, but like, I don't know how it is with you, but like fast food restaurants, which I think are like the, the class C residents, like they, they can't get people to come back to work. Um, so I, I think a lot of them like just aren't back to work. So he's seeing some softening in rents in class C. Whereas we're not seeing that in B and we don't do any class A. So I have no idea what's going on in class A, but that is one kind of new development that we're definitely monitoring to, to kind of see how that goes. That would not be a good thing, um, obviously, but uh, he, he's kind of noticing. And, and we saw incredible growth. So if we come down a little bit, we're going to be okay, but we are adjusting a little bit there. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's even in class C, it's not affecting what people will pay. They're paying ridiculous prices still. So for you and your company, you know, how have you guys, you know, especially nowadays, how are you guys giving yourself, what, what gives you guys the competitive edge when you're, you know, going against like four to or 40 different other offers and what, what gives you guys a little bit of an extra boost or sets you apart from the other competitors? 
Yeah, I would say um, we're, we're trying to do two things. Um, and the, the number one thing is having a relationship with a broker and them knowing what kind of buyer you are. Uh, so if you don't have that, then then you're kind of stuck competing on price and, and just trying to get the broker to take your word that you're a good buyer. Uh, but we got, you know, we got a 96 unit under contract because with the same broker that we bought our 47 unit through, you know, they're the listing broker and we bought the 47 unit and we just made it really easy for them. You know, we did what we said we were going to do when they needed something from us. We gave it to them. We were, we were honest, trustworthy. We didn't try to retrade a bunch. Um, you know, we, I mean, we got a little retrade just on something that was, was a pretty big deal. Um, but I mean, we're talking, you know, less than 1% of the purchase price. So um, very small, just very easy to deal with. So when it got to the next one and they brought it to us, you know, with four or five other people and, and there were a lot of bids, they were telling the sellers, these guys are really good buyers. Um, and another part of that, Eileen, is, is that we are local. So um, a lot of sellers do like that because um, I don't know, I, I think there's local people like probably more committed. They're there. Um, you know, they, they probably have relationships with, with uh, lenders. I mean, that, there's some lenders in town that will not lend to people outside of town. So uh, it, it does help to be local. Um, and But you, you can't, the, the tough part is if you're getting started, no broker knows how you're going to perform because you haven't performed yet. So that's the one thing that we're just now starting to see because we've closed a few deals. Um, the brokers do now know that we're really good to work with because, and the other thing, I mean, not just that we're easy to work with, but that we will close. So I can say at this point so far, and I've just bought, we'll buy now our sixth multifamily property. Every time I've had one under contract, I've closed. And I want to be able to keep saying that. So I'm always telling the broker, like the, I tell the broker that they tell the, the seller that, these guys don't mess around. They're not just going to get it under contract and beat you up. And if you don't want to play ball and don't want to come down, you know, 5% off the, the price that you agreed on, then they're going to walk away. We've never done that. We don't ever plan on doing that. So they can tell the sellers that these guys are going to close. And I'll tell you, everybody wants a high price, but probably even more than that, they want to close, right? Because a high price doesn't matter if the person ends up walking away. So they know that we're going to close. And then the, the last little thing that we've done that, a lot of other people are doing now too, but some people won't do is we have let our earnest money go hard. Um, we've let half of it go hard day one and we've let half of it go hard after our due diligence period goes. And we've done some things to make us comfortable enough in the property to do that. Um, but that, that adds some risk. But again, what it does, Eileen, is it tells the seller, I am going to close because I'm not going to walk away from this money. So, but it, it gets rid of some of your leverage, right? Like we, we did try to renegotiate because um, some of the roofs that were, they're only 10 years old are going to have to be replaced. And that's not something we plan on. So we tried to renegotiate a little bit and I said, no. And I mean, what are we going to do? You know, our money's hard already. So, uh, but we knew that and, uh, but, but we're, we're really happy still. We, we wanted this deal and it's good, but um, that's one thing we're doing. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. Sure. So, so, you know, as an entrepreneur yourself, you have a lot of control over your time. We talked a little bit about earlier how you've been able to, you know, take a look at the different tasks and prioritize and look at what are the next steps to get you to the next deal. Um, but the other thing as an entrepreneur, because you have control over your time, can you share with us how you've been able to balance between, you know, you know, um, faith is very important to you, your family, um, your business. How have you been able to manage all of that now that, you know, you have full control over where you spend your time? Yeah. You know, a lot of people talk about time blocking. Um, I, I'm not uh, diligent about it. Uh, I, I kind of wish I was more so, um, but, but that is essentially what I try to do. And, you know, we get up pretty early, my wife and I do. 
Um, we like to have time before the, the kids get up. Uh, and, and for us, because uh, faith is, is so important to us, I got to start with that. So I, I spend time in the word and in prayer uh, first thing in the morning um, and, and devote the first part of my day to that to make sure that happens. Because, yeah, then I can get carried away um, and, and, and forget about that stuff and, and just, you know, be moving forward and only see what's in front of my feet. Um, so I do that in the morning. I also usually exercise in the morning um, because that's important to me. Uh, and then a lot of times I, I still have time to, to spend with my wife in the morning uh, before the kids get up. And then once the kids get up, um, I, you know, I, I, I have like where I'm not going to start work until a certain time. So I, I just time block that for the kids. They are our kids. We do a hybrid homeschool program because so they only go to school twice a week. Um, so on these, those days, it's pretty easy because they live pretty, they leave pretty early. And then I, you know, I've got time for work. So I, I get a lot more done on those days, but on the days that they're home, um, I, I just won't start until eight 30, like eight 30 is my time. Uh, so I don't take phone calls before eight 30. My, my partner knows that he and I usually talk every day at eight 30. Um, but I'm not going to do it before. So I just have that time blocked off for my kids. And then I just try to work really hard from eight 30, uh, to four 30. And then it's dinner time. And then I, I block that off. The evening is where I struggle the most, Eileen, because um, I just I don't get everything I want to get done between eight thirty and four thirty. Um, so I, you know, I, I'll be on a phone call while I'm throwing the baseball to my son, uh, pitching to him, and it's kind of okay, but I, I don't love that. So um, I'm still working on that part of it. And the evening is is where I kind of fall apart as far as like time blocking, but um, that that's been the best strategy for me to to, to maintain the priorities. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It's, especially when you're building up a new business, you know, you're just trying mm-hmm. to struggle, trying to figure out like what's the best, how to balance everything else out. So over time, it's just figuring out what's the best for yourself, what's the best for your family, and then what's the best for your business. And then, um, you know, in the sense right now, starting up your business, it's like hustle mode. You're just trying mm-hmm. to, yes, you're, you're getting right. everything done until you get your systems in place. You're able to make everything efficient. Um, so you're able to, you know, better time block off of everything. And it's, it's an iterative process process that you're just evaluating and adjusting every little day that you're working on something new. You're like, Oh, I can do this better tomorrow. Yep. Right. I agree. So well Lee, I really appreciate you coming back on the show and give us an update on where you are and, you know, where, what have you been up to? And really, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey. Um, for you going forward, what are you planning to do next? You know, really, Eileen, we, we just kind of want to do more of, of the same. Um, we're really enjoying uh, partnering with, with, with investors uh, that want to be, you know, passive investors in, in an apartment deal. Uh, they want to be part of it and, and own an apartment with us. Um, so we kind of want to just do more of that. Uh, we're, we're actually pretty happy right now in Dayton, Ohio. This is where we've built our portfolio. All three apartment buildings that we've purchased this year are, are in Dayton. And so we kind of want to just keep building this portfolio. Um, I am interested in, in venturing, you know, into other cities around us. I'd like to be able to drive to those cities, you know, but there's other good ones, Cincinnati, Columbus, uh, Indianapolis, um, you know, Lexington, Louisville, markets like that. Uh, I would look to go a hundred plus in those cities where I would take a 40 to hundred unit in Dayton. I wouldn't do that in a different city. I'd go hundred plus and, and maybe partner with, with um, other sponsors. Uh, you know, you, you and I both have friends in, in Indianapolis. So if there was a big deal there, maybe I'd partner with somebody uh, Indianapolis. So, so maybe do something like that. But um, but mainly our focus is just continuing uh, to build our investor base here. Uh, we, we have a good property management that we have a really good relationship with here in Dayton. So it just feels like let's keep feeding this machine, keep building this portfolio. Um, and then maybe once we get that going really well, uh, th- then maybe we kind of venture outside. But we kind of want to just keep doing more of the same here. So Lee, if our listeners want to find out more about you and what you're doing in this space, where's the best place that they can go to find out and reach you? 
Sure. Yeah. Just jump on our website is the best place. You can kind of find everything there. That's threefold, R-E-I.com. So threefold real estate investing.com. It's um, you spell out threefold, T-H-R-E-E-F-O-L-D-R-E-I.com. There you'll find, uh, I have a podcast as well. You can find the links to that there. We have a free ebook called five steps to passive income for the full-time dad, which we're really excited about. You can download that. You know, you can contact us through there. Uh, but that's the best spot. You can email me at info at threefoldrei.com. But yeah, we'd love for you to check out the website and get a hold of us. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming back on, Lee. Yeah, thanks for having me, Eileen. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.